I, I once heard Woody Allen commenting on a film that he once made, and the film was a rip-roaring success, a box office smash. And they were interviewing him and they were saying, gosh, you must be over the moon. And Woody Allen was saying, no. He said, but you know, you were a box office hitting this, that and the other. He said, no. <laughs> and the interviewer said, why? And he said, because if you could see the film that was in my mind, the one that I had dreamed of, that which I created fell so far short of that which they're all applauding. And sometimes I think God must feel like that as, as he looks at us, as he looks at you, his creation, the one for whom he took on a cross, the one for whom he gladly, happily bled and died. As he looks at me, I wonder what he sees and I wonder how far short I actually fall in reality. And that's what I want to look at for the next few weeks, several weeks, is real Genuine change. Me, you, not being the person that we were and how to get there. How do we get to that place of, of metamorphosis, that place that God promises us? All of us can change from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And I've just been studying this in the recent past and I found three particular scriptures that I want to start this morning with. The first one is in the book of Proverbs. It says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And you know what that means? It means that you will never surpass what you think of yourself. You will never be able to go beyond in the practical, your, the limitations that you place upon yourself and your mind. As you think of yourself, that's as far as you're going to go. That's all you're ever going to be. Limitations are placed in the mind. As a man thinketh of himself, so is he. So are you. Secondly, in the book of Romans, it says, the carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is not just life, but it's life and peace. And then almost there's a conclusion. You know, if you study the book of Romans, which is where Paul really explains what's happened to you. Right? He goes through the gospel, he explains the history of Israel, and he travels all the way through Romans, right up to chapter 8, sorry, chapter 12, and in verse 1, he comes to the great conclusion. Do you know what the conclusion is? <laughs> he talks about Israel, he talks about Jesus coming, he talks about his ransom on the cross for you, but that's not his conclusion. He travels all the way through, and the ultimate pinnacle for Paul is this. He says, now do you get it? Therefore, he says, you're only going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that the cross's work is done in your life, the actual transformation takes place here, in my mind, in your mind. And if your mind doesn't change, guess what? As a man thinketh, so he is. If your thinking is not changing, neither are you. If the way you think of yourself is not changing, neither are you. If the way you're perceiving God is not changing, neither are you. There has been an enormous amount of teaching recently, the last decade, say, on the tongue and the mind. Joyce Mayer's famous book there, The Battlefield of the Mind. But hey, do you know what, guys? In comparison to the amount of teaching 
that the church has had, the change that's actually taken place is abysmal. Amen? We have been stuffed with the Word of God like no prior generation before us. We have been absolutely, it's been laid before us, a complete banquet. And particularly on this subject of thought, of the way we think of ourselves, of the way we see God, of the way we see life, yet the amount of change is dreadful. And that's what I want to talk about for a few weeks to come, is dealing with specific mindsets that I know I have, and that I've been foolish to keep them. You know, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said this, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I've got to love the Lord with my mind. Now, I can understand loving someone with your heart. That's easy to understand. We, we say that every day. I can sort of understand loving someone with my strength. How do you do that? You know, I love you, love you. <laughs> no. But lo lo loving someone with my mind, how does that work? How am I ever going to love God with my mind? Well, I guess through serious changes, through looking at my thinking, because obviously there's some parts of my thinking that stifle my progression as a Christian. There's some parts of my thinking, the old me, that just simply has to go. But before we look at that, I want to just uh, make very clear the power of your mind, okay? Don't underestimate the power, the force that your mind is over your whole life. Take a look at this list. The Bible says that your mind affects your health. That's what's called psychosomatic illnesses, right? And this is very common today. People would have no problem understanding that, but it's been in your Bible for generations. Proverbs 17, verse 22, a cheerful heart makes good medicine but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And in other places it says anger and bitterness will rot your bones. So you see, attitudes, mental, you know, things that go on can make you sick, physically sick. Your thinking affects your health. 50% of all illnesses treated on earth are stress-related. And to this very day, the largest category of drugs that are prescribed by doctors, and I quote, are mood-changing drugs. Mood, this mind, you see. Look at me, listen. People can't find peace of mind. They can't find peace of mind. They're restless. They're tossing and turning all night. There's no peace in there. The carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. And they will never find peace. You can't get it from a bottle. You can't get it from a pill. God himself knows this terrible problem and offers us the solution with a spiritual mind by changing our mind and going through this process, which is good news. Your health will be directly affected by your thinking and by your speech, incidentally. Your confidence is directly affected by your thinking. What you think of yourself, whether you like it or not, the amount of confidence you have is largely built up by those around you. If a child is, is grown up and all they get is praise and well done and affirmation, that child will have great confidence, no problem in life, and will probably sail through and be a great encourager to others. But if you didn't get that as a child, you will lack confidence. It's a real irony, isn't it? The confidence I have was given to me by others. 
by and large. It's what they've said to me. It's the things I've taken in. Now, you can take in negative things too. So you need to look back and do some self-analysis over your background. Because you can overcome that. You can break free. Even if you were put down as a child, you're born again now. It's a fresh start. You can start to believe what God says about you. Your health, your confidence, and our very conduct comes out of our mind. Jesus said in Luke 6.43 that the good man brings out evil from the evil stored up in him. It's inside him, he's saying. It's inside the cup. And he says the wicked person brings forth evil from the wickedness stored up in him. It's inside him, right? You think it first, and then you work out those evil deeds. So your health, your confidence, your conduct, all of these things are mental and affected greatly by the way we think. See, God can bring great blessing to you, but can you move with it? Can you move with the times? Amen, we're a fast-moving church. I hope you can cope with that. I hope you can keep pace with that. What if God starts opening new doors? What if he calls you to do something? Yes, you, to do something. Something different. You know, there was a family in England, a pastor started to visit them. Their home was an absolute mess. They never cleaned up. The house was a disaster. They had newspapers up against the window and all the rest of it. And he started to work with them to try and get them some personal hygiene. But the mother in that house, her mother died. And her mother left them her house. Now her house was immaculate, beautiful. And this family were over the moon. They thought, praise God, God's blessed us. We're moving into something new. And of course, the pastor warned them, now listen, you're going to have to change your ways. God has blessed you indeed, but that's going to mean change. Get ready. This is what you're going to have to do. The first thing that family did was they brought three pups. And they moved into that house. And as a pastor, well, you can figure it out yourself. Took only a matter of weeks. And that was just as bad. as the, You see, you can pray for blessing. And God can bring that blessing. But how able, how ready are we to co conduct? You see, their location changed, but their thinking didn't. Their location changed, but their conduct didn't. They were just the same people in a different location, and everything worked out the same. So our conduct comes from our sexual behavior. Indeed, this is in Romans, isn't it? It says that God, in fact, turned to that. You'll see it there. Romans chapter 1 and verse 28, I'll read it to you. Furthermore, since they did not think, it's in the mind, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind. God is talking about depraved sexual behavior, and he says it's, it, it originated in the mind. So you see, your very sexual conduct comes out of your thinking, comes out of your mind. Health, confidence, conduct, sexual behavior, even your finances, friends. You know, this is a fact, and I'm sure you've probably heard it before. They, they did a 20-year study in Canada with people who had won more than a million dollars. And over the 20 years of the people that they studied and they researched their lives, 90% of those who won more than a million had nothing to show 20 years later. 90%! <laughs> wow! That's mad! How can that happen? It happens because they have the money of a millionaire, but not the mind. 
right? They've got the finance in the bank, but they can't control it, didn't mature with the process, and so it is with us. We've got to grow up on finances, change our thinking with regards to money, amen? amen. And lastly, achievements. As we said at the beginning, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And whether you like it or not, or whether you understand it or not, believe me, you are limited by your own thinking. You see the power of a Christian? You know your power? It's released when you focus. It's released in your focus in life. The strength of a Christian is in what they focus on. And the devil loves to give you confusion. Like we had the baptisms yesterday. So often when people come and they say, I want to get baptized, and it's like three months to the baptism, so often people get taken away in relationships, careers. Oh, I can't make it. Changed my mind. They're gone. Lost their focus. And it's a very common trick of the devil. Do you know, the, 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 he's called the Lion of Judah, Jesus. And the lion is a mighty, mighty, mighty beast. But even I could control a lion. All I've got to do is walk into a lion's den. This'll do. Just hold that up. You've seen it, haven't you, on the circuses? All a man has to do is just walk in like that and the lion won't move. And do you know why? Because a lion is made to focus on one thing. And as long as the lion tamer has a chair with four legs, old Clarence there starts to spin around and look and he can't figure out what to do. You see? You can disable that mighty beast just with four little points and he can't make his mind up and down goes the lion. Well, I hope I'm not like that. Hope the devil doesn't confuse me or get me to lose my focus. Because that's what it is, folks. Your, your strength is in your focus and you need to keep it. So you can begin to see how strong an effect the mind has in your life. And these are biblical, by the way. You can get references galore for them. But not just that. Our mind is formed by our background, by your childhood, your whole thinking, the way you were brought up. You were framed. You were raised in some culture somewhere, good and bad. Mixed in there, your childhood affect your thinking, your parents and how they were to you. I've seen some absolutely awful parents, I can tell you. Some dreadful parents that all they ever said was, you know, putting their kids. It's unbelievable, terrible, because that's how they were raised, right? And generation to generation. So your parents affect your thinking, your school, your education, your social environment, the very area in which you are raised will affect your mind. We worked in one of the worst areas in, in Dublin. And I remember we had many youth coming and in the middle of those youth, there was this guy called Chris. Now, Chris was a statesman, but he didn't behave like it. He behaved like a yob, but Chris was a statesman. Chris had authority, natural leadership, and all the, he wasn't that big, but all the gangs followed Chris. And Chris would come in and he was quite good with us. He controlled the gangs and he didn't mess about when they were in our center and stuff like that. But many times I would say to Chris, you know, Chris, man, God has, God, God has made you for a purpose. But he couldn't see it because of the area, because of the place that he was born. All they did was break windows, light fires, drink. And so that was, but in there, there was that man that you could see. But he could never believe it. It was like he would just dream when you would say that to him. He would, couldn't see but that which was before him. 
couldn't see the possibilities. Such was his thinking, so strong, you couldn't get through it. In fact, many years passed, I hadn't seen him, and he wandered into another church we had in Dublin. He hadn't changed a bit. He was the same young hooligan wandering around the city, and all that potential was because of one thing, bad parents in a bad area. And so he'd never moved on from it. He was stuck. His thinking had limited his progression. And yet, you know, if, you, if he had a Bible, he could have got over all that. God can change all that. Listen to me, please. You had an upbringing. Your thinking was framed, right? All through your childhood, your education, your parents, all of those influences, negative and positive. And then what happened? You got saved. You got saved and you came in here with all of that. It's like bags, you know? We're here, boom. Bags full of good and bad, negative and positive. And when you get saved, you need to start to do a bit of, you know, sifting, a bit of throwing out, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It's like, a, you know, there's a lot of bad stuff in there. It's like a baby with a dirty nappy when you get saved. But salvation, often what people want is another nappy on top. <laughs> Don't start dabbling with the things that are wrong with me. Don't start pointing. You can't do that. You get another nappy. You know what you're going to want? Another nappy. And then you're going to want another nappy. But what we've got to do is get that thing off, right? Completely off. You know when you got saved, we, we are body, soul, and spirit. But if you don't change your mind, yourself, it's not going to change. You know when you got saved, God did his part. His part is your spirit. Your spirit was dead. Before you repented of your sin, your spirit is, is biblically dead. But God's part is this. It's the spirit, not the mind. So what God did is he breathed his life into you. Your spirit comes to life. But then in the next line, he says, right, it's over to you. He doesn't deal with the mind. You do. And the truth is, most people get saved. They're born again in the spirit, but their thinking never changes. And so their life never changes. Their habits never change. Their levels of, of ministry or experience in the kingdom or power or faith never change because they don't do their part. They get stuck, right, in old habits. I'm not, by the way, please listen to me. I'm not saying you don't love the Lord. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying you love the Lord with all your heart, not your mind. And so Christ commands us to love us with our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. And we can only do that if we change our thinking. I had a worship leader once who's a very good example of this problem. Great worship leader, but she had a few personality problems. She was a control freak. <laughs> Used to love to control everybody around her with manipulation and temper tantrums and all that. And, but she, was, she had many redeeming factors, we used to call them. Hey, she loved the Lord. It's, I waited a long time. I prayed, God, we need to help this person get over this problem. And I didn't know how, what to do. She was too fragile. If I just intervened, she'd blow apart. She couldn't cope. So I had to wait for two years. <laughs> two years. And I'm praying, Lord, give me a moment that doesn't destroy her but helps her. Give me a, an inroad and tell me when. And one day, it's just a normal day, I was walking in to the church, she's walking out, and word from the Lord, now, go, 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 go. I said, excuse me, come for a cup of coffee. And I sat down with that woman, I said, you know what, 
I've been waiting a long time. There's something stinking in you. Nappy. <laughs> we need to get down to that nappy. You need to change, right? You are controlling people with your temper, with every form of girlhood, manipulation, and it has to stop sometime. But you're so touchy. I've had to wait a long time. And while she was with me, she was absolutely fine. And off she went. Three or four hours go by, she phones up, and she says, I'm gonna kill myself because of you. I said, no, you're not gonna kill yourself. You're trying to control me. You're saying that to control me, to get me off your back. And I can't. I'm going to change you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to change that way in you. You won't be killing yourself. Do you know what she did? She did change. It took a long time. It took several months. But she did change. You see, she had a good heart. She had a good heart, but not a good mind. She loves the Lord. Worship, fantastic. Loved the Lord with all her heart. But not one jot of work done from the day she was saved on her thinking. Stinking thinking, they call it. Stinking thinking. And so she would come to church and worship, but there was no change. And God, his, his direction was to get in there and to bring her out. How much has your thinking changed? Over the years, look back on your life and ask yourself how you were thinking when you got saved and how am I thinking now? It's a difficult question to answer. How can I change my thinking, right? Very difficult, actually. I think these are just four steps for today, just things to look at, things to talk about. Firstly, I would say my thinking will be changed as I spend time in God's presence. Time, especially alone, at home, go in, close the door, and spend time in God's presence. Now, let me explain something here, particularly to those of you in leadership, worship teams, or any other ministry here, the street preachers. Listen to me, please. Pastors, listen. The anointing doesn't change you, right? The presence of God changes you. These are two completely different things. The anointing is that which remains within you. It's that which God gives you for task. He gives you that. It's, it's an empowerment, right? But it doesn't change you. So Eileen here, Eileen, I'm thinking, excuse me for using you as an example, but last Sunday was a very good example. Last Sunday morning, Chris and Eileen came in and you know what it's like. They're busy putting bags down, sort out Natanya, get up here. And Eileen was stressed. Did you got the guitar on? Boom. The anointing filled the place. So quick, it's like a light switch, boom. One minute, I'm all flustered, I'm all over the place. Next minute, right there in the presence of God, right? That's your anointing, that's fine. That's what it's for. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do, to do, not change, right? So every Sunday, Eileen, for example, you can come in here and minister under the anointing, but you won't change because the anointing doesn't change you. Or Danya, you can go down on the street and you can get up on that ladder. That's the anointing on you, but it doesn't change you. So all the ministry in the world doesn't change. What does change me then? The presence of God. 
And that's a different thing. Sometimes you're in a church and there's been no breakthrough maybe in the worship and you're sitting there and you can't hear anything, but you can see maybe that the guy on the stage is all right. You're sitting there and you're thinking, well, he seems fine, you know? He's anointed. But if there's no presence, there's no hearing, there's no change. I am changed in your presence, Lord. What is the presence of God? How can we detect it? Well, you can detect it because you are laid bare. You know what it's like. Some of you know, up here leading worship or something, and all of a sudden the presence of God comes in, and you, are, you just make yourself so vulnerable. You open up your gates, you let God in, and He starts to indeed change the nappy. He starts to put His finger on things. I need to change this in you. And you're willing, because in His presence, I am changed. I'm just saying, some people get saved, don't change their thinking, minister under the anointing for 20 years, but they're not one jot changed. So don't be fooled, right? You can love the God, you can love God with all your heart, and I'm sure you do, but there's more to it than that. God wants us to love Him with all of our minds, all of our strength, all of our soul. And these are different things and they require different processes in us. So firstly, I would say, especially to the leadership, to those of you in ministry, just leave the anointing to God. That's, that's his bit. As 1 John says, the anointing remains within you. That's not a problem. The problem is you, at home, get on your face. And th those of you, especially in worship, and especially now, get on your face at home and seek God. Those of you in the street ministry, don't just live out of your anointing. Be changed in the presence of God. Amen. Secondly, you need to feed your mind on good things. You know, in Jeremiah, there's a, a terrible scripture. I remember to this day, the first time I heard it. And God says this, Jeremiah cries out the prophet to Israel. And God says, I gave them a fountain of living water to drink from. But they turned away from me and they drank from polluted cisterns. God, I mean, doesn't the Word of God just, you know, cut you to the core? Oh God, that is so human. I gave you the fountain of living water. But you turned away from me. You chose polluted streams, rotten cisterns, and you drank from them. And at some point in our lives, that which is coming in is going to be going out. Amen. Jesus said the good person brings forth good from the good that's in him. The bad person brings forth evil. So at some point, your diet needs to change. Praise God. Thank you for watching today's program. I hope you have been blessed and edified by what you've seen and heard. Folks, you can see how important it is for the teaching of God's Word to get out to the nations. I want to invite you to do something very significant for your life and that is to become a partner with us here at Preparing the Way. You can go to our website there where you'll find a way in which you can join up with us and partner with us to take these essential teachings, essential truths out to the nations of the world. Thank you for watching and God bless you.